Well, thank you, Lisa. Thank you for reading for us. And good morning. My name's Mike. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, I'm hugely excited that Lama is coming uh, and you'll get to meet him. Uh, he's a lovely, godly guy. Uh, I've known him for a long time. And just to, to see him go to college and want to go and serve the Lord uh, of the nations and go to the nations is such a, such a joy uh, to watch what God's done in his life. You'll love him when you meet him. Uh, and it'll be great for us to partner with him as a church. But uh, we've got one of the trickiest passages in the New Testament for us this morning. Uh, so I need to pray for us and pray for myself as well uh, as I uh, help us to understand this passage and ask uh, really for God's help uh, so that we might all understand. Let me pray in light of Psalm 119, verse 97. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, how we love your instruction. It is our meditation all day long. Help us this morning as we indeed hear your word, uh, as we think particularly of your instruction in the Old Testament. Uh, Father, help us to understand it well. Help us to live in light of it and help us uh, to be encouraged to become more like Jesus, your son. This we pray in his name. Amen. Well, uh, when I was a uh, new and fresh Christian as a 16-year-old, my mates and I decided to uh, start up a band. Uh, some of my mates had been to this Christian music festival called Black Stump. Out of interest, has anyone heard of Black Stump? Yeah, wow, more than I... There you go, cool. Um, it was a cataract park. Where's that, down that way somewhere? Just not far from here in Appen. It was like a big music festival thing. So a bunch of my mates uh, went there and they were like, whoa, this is cool. Uh, they got all hyped up. They came back and said, let's start a band. I said, cool, let's do that. None of us knew how to play an instrument. No idea. We just thought, okay, we'll just buy them and off we go. Uh, and we did. We were young, we were enthusiastic. And uh, because we were Christians and we were new Christians at the time, we wanted a Christian-sounding name for our band. Uh, and as bands usually do, they have a few names before they land on one. That's often what happens. Uh, our first band name was Final Destination because, you know, where's your final destination? Are you going to heaven? Very tacky. Uh, that became a horror movie franchise in the early 2000s, and that's when we started the name, so we had to ditch that. Uh, our second band name was Plan B. Plan B. And we thought, yeah, this is cool. Plan B. Because that's a great name because it's all about Jesus. Because God made the world... And humans made a mess of the world with Adam and Eve and, and the whole Old Testament. That was humanity's chance to kind of fix things and to get it right. That was God's plan A. The Old Testament was God's plan A. But that didn't work. The Old Testament plan was a flop. And so God devised plan B, Jesus. That's God's plan B. We're like, yeah, cool. That's a cool band name. It's all about Jesus. Uh, about a year after or so we had that name, a wiser, much more mature Christian pointed out to us, uh, your band name's all wrong. Uh, Jesus is not God's plan B. No, no, he's God's plan A. Jesus is and has always been God's plan. And we were like, oh, that's pretty embarrassing. Like sometimes we'd turn up at the beginning of gigs and we'd go like, we're plan B. We've made a mess of the world. We've made such a junk of it. But God has sent his plan B, Jesus, into the world. Woo! Uh, and then, yeah, that was all theologically very incorrect. False teacher in my early days. Uh, we, we changed our band name to Paradigm, and that was our name for 12 years uh, until we all got married, had kids, and then the band died. <laughs> but I tell you that because at, that, that's a really common way to think about Jesus. And it's a common way to think about the Old Testament. See, the Old Testament, some people would think, is it just, it's just a big, long story that doesn't really matter anymore because that was God's plan A. The Old Testament is just the background, but it's God's plan A. It didn't really work. But thank God for his plan B, Jesus. A lot of people think like that. We did when we were young. 
Uh, But we saw in the kid's spot, no, the whole Old Testament is like this big arrow that points to Jesus. The whole of God's plan, Old and New Testament, is all about Jesus. And that's one of the big things Jesus will teach us in today's passage. But it's tricky. You're going to have to work hard with me today. It's tricky. Today will be tricky in that because if the Old Testament is simply this big arrow pointing to Jesus, then do we really need the Old Testament anymore? Jesus has come. Do we just ignore the Old Testament? Okay, it's a big pointing sign to Jesus, but let's just focus on the New Testament bit. But as we'll see, have a look at verse 19 in your Bibles. Make sure you've got a Bible there, please. Otherwise, you will get confused and get lost. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 19. Look at what Jesus says to his followers. Really important. Chapter 5, verse 19. Jesus says, Whoever breaks one of the least of these commands, and there Jesus is referring to the Old Testament, whoever breaks one of the least of these Old Testament commands and teaches people to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And so if Jesus says that, the Old Testament must still be really important, right? You can't just ignore it if that's what Jesus says about the Old Testament. He says some important stuff. He says we need to do it. But then, when we read things like this up on the screen in the Old Testament, this is Leviticus, the pig, it is unclean for you. Do not eat any of their meat or touch their carcass. They are unclean for you. Which, hand up if you like bacon. Well, that hand went really high. Well done. Really high, really quick, right? We love bacon. Does that mean we can't eat bacon anymore? Or what about Deuteronomy 22.11, Leviticus 19.19, up on the screen again. Do not wear clothes made of both wool and linen. You must not put on a garment made of two kinds of material. And for that, pretty much all of us would have to put our hands up because all of us here most likely are wearing clothes of two kinds of material. So what do we do with, with these verses of the Old Testament? What do we do with them? Jesus says, Matthew 5, verse 19, Whoever breaks one of the least of these Old Testament commands will be called least in the kingdom of God. So what do we do? No bacon? That would be sad. Change our wardrobe so that we all have, you know, one piece of woolen onesies all the time, which would be nice in winter, not so good how humid it is. And what of everything else the Old Testament says? What of all those other commands the Old Testament speaks about? Well, Jesus will teach us this morning. He will teach us about him. It'll teach us about how to understand the Old Testament and how to understand its commands. And again, I'm going to be up front. Uh, even though we're only looking at a few verses this morning, these will teach us big and complex ideas. Uh, and my aim this morning, it's not to answer all the questions that come up in your mind. Uh, we don't have time to do that. But I want, you to help, I want to help you uh, help, uh, get you to, to understand what Jesus is saying at its most basic. That's the plan for this morning. Which is a reminder when we get to term four and Cam or myself or someone else stands up here and says, introduction to the Bible starting term four, make sure you do that course because it's foundational in helping you to understand these sorts of questions. Uh, And if you're here for the first time, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, can I just say uh, at this church we're committed to teaching the Bible. That's what we do. And as we do that, sometimes we come to really tricky parts of the Bible to understand. Uh, And that's a good thing that we have to work hard. It's a good thing because God has made us with brains, uh, and so it's right that we work hard. God doesn't treat us like idiots. He he gives us brains and wants us to think, and we don't treat God as simplistic, and so we think hard about him. 
So today is one of those days. But all that being said, the first thing we need to understand is the structure of this part of Jesus' sermon. And in many ways, uh, what we look at and what I say today, Jesus will unpack over the next three weeks. All right, so we'll, we'll see what Jesus means in what he says today over the next three weeks. So this is a bit of a journey for the next four weeks or so. But to give you a taste, if you look again at your Bibles, look at how Jesus repeats a phrase over and over again in the next little section of his sermon. So you look at verse 21 of chapter 5. Have a look at your Bibles. So look at these, this little pattern, chapter 5, verse 21. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said... And then he, he shares this Old Testament idea. But then he says, verse 22, but I, Jesus, tell you. And then Jesus corrects this, this bad teaching about this Old Testament idea. And that same phrase again, look at verse 27. Look at verse 27, the same phrase again. You've heard that it was said, says Jesus. And then he shares this other, another Old Testament idea. And in verse 28, but I, Jesus, tells you, tell you. And then he corrects it. And then again, verse 33, you have heard it said, I tell you. Verse 38, you have heard, but I tell you. And the last one is in verse 43. Hopefully you can see it in your Bibles. So what Jesus will do over the coming weeks is he will show us what he means by today's passage. He will teach us how to read and understand the Old Testament rightly. So keep that in mind as we think today. But the first thing Jesus says in today's passage is there in verse 17. And this is point one on your outline. Have a look at verse 17. Jesus teaches his followers, verse 17, Don't assume that I came to destroy the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And when Jesus says there that the law or the prophets, he's referring to what we call the Old Testament, the first kind of main chunk of our Bibles, the beginning part. And uh, what we need to remember is that when Jesus was speaking at that time, he didn't have a Bible like this. We, we forget this. When Jesus was speaking, there was no Old Testament and New Testament. They, they didn't refer to it like that. The New Testament hadn't come yet because Jesus hadn't died and, and rose again yet. And so Jesus here, when he says law and prophets, he's referring to the Old Testament, even though they didn't call it that yet. And what we'll see as we go on in Matthew's Gospel is that some of the religious leaders in that day, they, they were accusing Jesus about destroying the Old Testament ways. So Jesus would go and he would eat, he would dine with sinners and tax collectors. And then the, the religious leaders would accuse him and go, how, how, how can you do that, Jesus? The Old Testament says, blah, 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 blah. How can you eat with those people? You're destroying the Old Testament. Or when Jesus heals on the Sabbath day, and he'll do that a couple of times in Matthew's gospel, and the religious leaders will come to him and go, hey, don't you know what the prophets and the law says, Jesus? You're breaking the Old Testament. You're destroying it. But really clearly, Jesus says from the beginning, no, I have not come to destroy the Old Testament. And at this point, it's worth us noting just how highly Jesus holds the Old Testament scriptures. This is what we need to, to understand for ourselves. We need to realize that Jesus does not say, out with the old and in with the new. You know, when you, when you look at kind of old photos of yourself from the 90s or the early 2000s or something like that, and you kind of remember the fashion of the day, for me it was, it was keppers and baggy shorts. Anyone remember keppers? 
Yeah, well, just one. <laughs> Jeremy, well done. Yes, and that was baggy shorts, long to your shins. Not very good for me with my skinny chicken legs. Horrible fashion. Uh, it's not that sort of thing, right? It's not like where you look back and you see, you know, the, the hyper-colored T-shirts or what, probably in 10 years' time when we look back and we see Crocs and think, why did people ever wear Crocs? Sorry if you're wearing Crocs today. It's not that sort of thing. It's not throw out the old-fashioned in with the new. That's not what Jesus is saying. And so for the Christian, we need to be careful. We don't just kind of throw out our Old Testament because Christians do that sometimes. They don't read it. They don't understand it, so they ignore it. Jesus says, no, 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 we hold the Old Testament in high regard. It's still God's word. It's still relevant. It's still useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness, as 2 Timothy 3 tells us. We just need to learn how to understand it better. And the first thing we need to understand is what Jesus says in verse 17. So he says in verse 17, he came to fulfill the Old Testament. And perhaps the simplest way to understand that is to think back to our kid's spot, right? He fulfills it in that the Old Testament is like this big arrow that all that it says and describes points in some way or other to Jesus. So work with me here. I'm going to give you an example. You're going to have to really listen and pay attention. Uh, so one way to think about that is to think about the Exodus. So do you remember the book of Exodus and uh, Israel's uh, exodus uh, out of Egypt? Um, uh, so remember the ten plagues? Remember how God's people were slaves in Egypt for 400 years? Um, you might remember the Disney movie, uh, The Prince of Egypt. That's all about that Exodus period. And do you remember how they sacrificed the lamb? The last plague, they sacrificed a lamb. And with the blood of the lamb, they painted the doorposts of their house. They painted the doorposts of their house. Why? So that when God came to judge sin in Egypt, those who had the blood on the doorposts would be passed over. That's why it's called the Passover. The Passover lamb. They were passed over because something, some life had already died in that household. So they were spared judgment. They were spared death for sin. And then when Jesus comes, you know, thousands of years after that Exodus event, John the Baptist calls him the Lamb of God. If you read Revelation, Jesus is called the Lamb that was slain. Why? Because that Passover Lamb, thousands of years before that was slain, and its blood pointed to Jesus. Even though it happened back in Egypt in the Old Testament, the whole idea of it pointed forward to Jesus. Actually, the whole Old Testament sacrificial system of killing animals pointed to Jesus. In the Old Testament, the animal was a scapegoat. You know how someone's a scapegoat? That idea that comes from the Bible. So in the Old Testament, there was a scapegoat. There was an animal that would die instead of the sinner. The sinner deserved to die for their sin. And so instead of the sinner dying, you could sacrifice an animal. And it was the blood of the animal that would die in your place. And the blood of the animal was a symbol of life. That's why blood's really important in the Old Testament sacrificial system. Blood represents life. If you lose your blood, you lose your life. It's, it's the animal's life for your life. That was the idea. And then when Jesus came and he spilt his blood on the cross, that was him dying for us. That was Jesus being the scapegoat. That was Jesus paying the penalty of our death for our sin in our place. His blood instead of yours and mine. So the whole Old Testament idea pointed forward to the richer concept in Jesus. 
It's the same with the temple, right? So you understand the temple in the Old Testament. So if you're an Old Testament Jew, you had to go to the temple to worship God. You couldn't do it from your house. God dwelt in the temple symbolically. His presence was there. So you want to be with God? Go to the temple. That's where you go to be with God. But when Jesus came, he made peace between us and God. So that there's no longer a temple to have to go to. You do not have to go. You'll be happy about this because it's really expensive to fly there. You don't have to go to Jerusalem to go worship God. You don't have to do that. Jesus came and then Jesus sent the Holy Spirit so that God's Spirit dwells in us and we are always in the presence of God, always worshiping God 24-7. You don't have to go to a temple. Uh, and, and it's really important to understand this thing here is a rain shelter. It's a very nice one. <laughs> I'm very thankful for a nice rain shelter. This is not a temple. Do not call this building a temple. Uh, do not call it a sanctuary. It's not a sanctuary. This isn't even the place where you come to do business with God. No. We do business with God 24-7. We're always, if you're a Christian, you're always in the presence of God all the time because of Jesus. And please never call me a priest. I'm not a priest. Jesus is our priest. See, the Old Testament priest idea pointed forward to Jesus. Uh, you don't need a human priest to forgive or confess, confess your sins anymore. Like the Old Testament, they had to do that, but not now because Jesus has come. You don't need a priest to sacrifice or pray on your behalf. No, Jesus is the great high priest. We confess and we pray and we approach God in Jesus' name. And I could go on and on with lots more examples because all of the Old Testament points forward and is fulfilled and exemplified in Jesus. So hopefully you get the point. Here's the point. We need the Old Testament to understand Jesus. We need the Old Testament to help us see just how sinful we are and just how much we needed Jesus to die for our sin. And we need the Old Testament to see that God has always had the one marvelous plan. Not plan A, then here comes Jesus, plan B. Always plan Jesus. Which is part of Jesus' point in verse 18. So look, look at verse 18 for a moment. Again, I, I know we've got to work this morning. It's good for us. Look at verse 18. Jesus says to his followers, For I assure you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law, think there of the Old Testament, until all things are accomplished. And just, just don't miss how reassuring Jesus' assurance is here. You see, everything God has spoken, everything he's promised you and me in the Bible as a whole, everything God has said will be accomplished. From, from the dotting of the I to the, to the crossing of the T, all of it will be done. Nostalgia Day today, first it was Black Stump, then Keppers. Just me and Jeremy, though, got Keppers. <laughs> uh, who remembers Parramatta Speedway? Anyone? Parramatta Speedway, couple of hands. Yeah, okay. You know, be there. Remember the old ads? Maybe, maybe not. There's this thing called Parramatta Speedway. When I was a kid, uh, my dad promised to take me to Parramatta Speedway. Uh, and as a kid, I was really hopeful that he would. And the ads would even say, kids under 12 are free. So I'm like, great, it's not even going to be expensive. Sure, dad will take me. I'm sure we're going to go. Uh, and I was hopeful as a kid. I was even hopeful until April, uh, April 10th, 2021, so just three years ago, because that's when they closed the raceway once and for all. So now dad can never take me. So I stand here today scarred for life. 
because my dad never took me to Parramatta Speedway. It was very sad. But be assured, the God of the Bible is not some well-intentioned, promising father. He's not some powerless human father. No doubt my dad did his best. See, our Heavenly Father, he's a powerful father. And everything he says and promises to do, he will do. That's really important to understand. You see, in Jesus, all that God spoke in the Old Testament, and like my Old Testament, it's probably about, well, it's even more than that. There you go. There's Matthew. There's the Old Testament, right? A big chunk of my Bible, of your Bible, a huge bit. All of it, God promises about Jesus, and God does it, fulfills it. Jesus comes, real man, real history, real human person. We can read all that God had promised in the Old Testament and we can see that it's been fulfilled in Jesus. And for us, that means we can be assured that everything that is yet to come will happen. Jesus will come back because we know God keeps his promises. He's faithful to his promises. All right, so be assured. That's, that's Jesus' big point for us today. He wants us to understand, I have not come to destroy and get rid of the Old Testament. I've come to fulfill it. It all points to me. It finds its purpose and its meaning in me. Old Testament, hugely important. But much more quickly, and point two, what do we do with verse 19? Have a look at verse 19. What do we do with this? Jesus says, verse 19, says, Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commands, referring to the Old Testament, and teaches people to do so, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these Old Testament commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. What does he mean? And he, we need to be careful to understand what Jesus is saying and is not saying. All right? Keep working with me, please. Jesus is not saying that you need to practice and do the Old Testament commands to be saved. That's not what Jesus is saying. And we'll see that more clearly in point three. And I want to be so clear on this. If you've tuned out, tune back in. This is what Jesus is not saying. He's not saying practice and do the Old Testament commands and then you will enter heaven. Then you will be saved. He's not saying that. But Jesus is saying we need to practice the Old Testament commands. Not to be saved, but because we are saved. Because we already belong to the kingdom of heaven. Because we are citizens of the kingdom. Uh, in, uh, in that sense, we, we need to have this deep respect uh, for what God says in the Old Testament. And to obey it. Uh, J.C. Ryle, an old Bible teacher from the 1800s, writes this up on the screen. And I think it puts the idea really clearly. He says, the Old Testament law cannot save us. We cannot be justified by it. But never, never let us despise it. It is a symptom of an ignorant and unhealthy Christian when the law is lightly esteemed. The true Christian delights in the law of God. We are to respect and obey the Old Testament. But, to go back to where we started, what about bacon? All right? What about bacon? Are we allowed to eat bacon? What about Leviticus 11? What do we do with that Old Testament command? And if I say, look, church, you've got to give up bacon. I'm sorry, it says it there. You're going to have to give up bacon. I think next week I'll come and church will be a lot smaller. (laughs) No. For the bacon lovers, it's okay. You'll be pleased to know the answer is no. You don't have to give up bacon. 
Because remember what we've just seen. There are many, many parts of the Old Testament that are fulfilled and complete in Jesus. They're done. See, the Old Testament, there's whole parts of the Old Testament that existed simply to point to Jesus. That was its purpose. And now that Jesus has come, those parts of the Old Testament are obsolete. We still read them because it helps us understand who Jesus is, but we don't have to do them. Again, let me give you some examples. We don't sacrifice animals anymore. You'd be pleased to know that. Otherwise, if you've got white, you're going to get blood all over you and you look like a mess. We don't have an altar up here. Any church that says uh, the altar, if they talk about an altar, I think maybe leave that church. We don't have altars. We, we don't have sacrifices anymore. We don't have blood all over the floor here and a nice selection of kitchen knives, nice and sharp on the wall, ready to kind of you know, do all the cutting stuff. We don't have that. We don't have a priest who stands up the front and forgives your sins. We don't have a temple with all the ceremonial rituals that come with that, and the smells and bells. and We don't have those things. Those things in the Old Testament, they pointed to Jesus and they're fulfilled in him. We don't need them anymore. And actually, we make sure we don't do them because if we do do them, it undermines Jesus. We don't need them. It's done. It's, it's finished. Uh, and it's the same with things like bacon, uh, believe it or not, and, and clothing of two kinds of material. Those uh, practices, they existed in the Old Testament to make Israel distinct as a nation. God said to Israel, you need to be so different to every other country, every other nation. God gave Israel a whole bunch of specific rules as the nation of Israel because they were God's special people in the Old Testament, a special nation, a special country. But Jesus, he's the fulfillment of God's plans for Israel. The whole nation and the seed of Israel pointed to Jesus. So there is no longer a place for the nation of Israel as the only people of God. There's no such thing as the nation of Israel that is the only people of God. It's finished. Jesus brought the message of salvation for all people, for all nations. So our distinctiveness as those who belong to God is no longer bacon or not touching a pig or eating things from the pig. It's no longer clothing, but it's what we saw last week, good works. Remember salt, light, what are we to do? Good works so that people might glorify God. It's living out the Beatitudes like we saw in week one. Those are our distinctives. That's how we're different now because of Jesus. You see, so much of the Old Testament no longer applies in the same way because it's finished with in Jesus. And now that he's come, those things are obsolete. But there are a whole bunch of other commands in the Old Testament we still need to keep. Why? Because the God of the Old Testament is the same God as the God of the New Testament. And he doesn't change, and his righteousness doesn't change, and his good ways do not change. Uh, and we'll see lots of examples of that over the next three weeks. So you're going to have to hold off to think on that uh, over the next three weeks. The next three weeks, it's a master class from Jesus in how to understand and live out Old Testament commands. So you have to wait till then. But as we wrap up, wrap up today, uh, I just need to very briefly deal with verse 20. You're doing well. Last bit, a couple more minutes. Uh, this is the last and brief point. Point three, your righteousness and the kingdom of heaven. And again, this is, this is a taster for the next three weeks. All right? So just hold fire for the next three weeks. But look at what Jesus says in verse 20. Make sure you look because it's, it's very strong. You don't want to miss this. You don't want to get it wrong. 
Jesus says, For I tell you, to his followers, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter, never enter the kingdom of heaven. And if you don't know who the scribes and Pharisees are, they, they were the Jewish religious, religious leaders in Jesus' day. And as a Jew, if you wanted in that day to know what righteousness looked like, what God, God's way looked like, you'd look to the scribes and Pharisees. They were the religious experts. And they were so particular about Old Testament commands that they made a list of 613 commands they could find from the Old Testament and wrote them down and detailed them to make sure they never broke them. That's how they lived. And so when Jesus says, two followers of us, of him, when he says to us, particularly in that day, when he says, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribe and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of God. When people heard that, they would have thought, well, what chance have I got? How can I enter then? If the religious leaders who keep all 613 rules are not good enough to enter the kingdom, if I need to surpass that and be greater than that, what chance have I got? What chance have I got? And do you know what Jesus' answer would have been if we asked him that question on that day? Jesus would have said, what chance have you got? None. None. What chance have any of us, any of you, any, me, any, any of us, what chance have any of us have at being righteous enough, good enough to enter the kingdom of God? Jesus says, none. Forget the scribes and Pharisees. They're, they're nowhere near righteous enough. You need to surpass that. And that will be the tension over the next three weeks. Over the next three weeks, we're going to feel pretty miserable. just want to be upfront about that. Over the next three weeks, Jesus will show us just how far short we fall of God's perfect standard of righteousness. And he'll show us just how sinful we really are. And we'll see it. It'll be confronting because we'll read it and we'll go, oh, that's true. And actually, Jesus finishes this part of his sermon by saying, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Can I ask you, how do you go at being perfect like your heavenly father is perfect? How do you go at being like God? How are you going at that? Let me tell you how I go. Miserably. And if I can be frank, you do just as bad as me. But what Jesus will show us over those next three weeks is just how much we need him. It's, the more you understand your sin, the more you realize how spectacular Jesus is. What we'll see is just how much we actually need Jesus' righteousness to enter the kingdom of heaven. Just how much we need Jesus' death on the cross for our sins to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's what we'll see. But enough from me uh, for today. Today, it's not one of those days where you go home and have all these kind of things to go off and do and put into action. No, today is one of those days where we fall on our knees before God and we say, thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for the plan that you've always had in Jesus, your son. Thank you that Jesus is my priest. Thank you that Jesus died once and for all so that I might be saved. Thank you, God, that you made the way for your spirit to dwell in me because of Jesus. How about I thank God now? Let me pray. Well, Heavenly Father, help us please to understand the richness of your plan for all of history. Help us, Father, to see so clearly that you've always had a plan in Jesus, your Son, to the praise of your glory. 
And Father, we thank you that we are part of that plan, that you swept us in as part of that so that you might save us in Jesus, your Son. Help us not to be people who dismiss the Old Testament and ignore it. Help us to be people who read it and just see how richly it points to Jesus and how much Jesus exemplifies all of the Old Testament so that we might do like him and be perfect like your Son is perfect. Please help us. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.